All right, welcome to the 81 Podcast with your host, Asif Ali. I am joined today by Knox Pro professional wrestler, uh, San Diego State Aztecs alum, San Dianza College alum, Bay Area native, in addition to IFO professional football player, uh, formerly, I believe, Bruce LaPepe, a.k.a. Toa Leona. Bruce, how are you doing today? What's up, man? How's it going, boss? Going all right, man. Yeah, you're looking good, bro. Shit. I mean, you're looking just every – I saw all your photos, all your matches, and all your kind of workouts. I'm like, this dude's a fucking beast. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. You mean just try to put in the work and, you mean, uh, eventually hold one of those that you got on your shoulders right there. This is going to be you. This is going to be you. Y'all heard it here first. A1 Podcast. Bruce Lupoop La Pepe, right? Is that how you pronounce it? Tell me how you pronounce it. La Pepe. La Pepe. Yeah, Bruce La Pepe is going to be the WWE champion in the future. You heard it here first. I'm the come up. Yeah, I, I saw that you knew Cody uh, Galea, who's also a guest on the show on Monday, uh, and obviously through San Diego State and Rob Andrews, right? Through San Diego State. Yep. Yeah, man. Okay, and what it's position like you are? I also know uh, Nate Tia, and then I know Kevin Vite too. Yeah, because you guys are all. Her. Yeah, you guys are all at Deanza. I, I I didn't interrupt you, but you guys are all at Deanza, and I played at West Valley in 09, so y'all blew us out 44 to zero. So I asked them all. Oh, I'm about to ask you. Your, your quarterback was Kyle Cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was the homie. That was a homie. Yeah, bro. And shit, man. Like, I mean, I mean, I have to ask you, bro. Like, how did it feel blowing us, blowing out an 0-10 team like us? <laughs> Honestly, bro, I was only in DA for one year. Yeah. So I'm a city, uh, city of San Francisco uh, college alum as well. I okay. was one year and then I transferred to city. City, okay. Did yep. you, and what year were you there? What year were you at Deanza? I was there 2009. Yeah, that's, that's the year. That's the year y'all yeah. both <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. my sophomore year. Yeah. <laughs> Not I, I sacked your yeah. uh, quarterback a couple times that game. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I came in the fourth quarter, and Kevin, and I, well, I said Kevin on Thursday, on Wednesday, I'm like, why why did why didn't you leave the fourth? Because I was a rotational slot. I would play special teams throughout the whole game, right? Yeah. And and I was, I'm, I'm like, why is AT not leaving the field? And then Kevin told me he had a bet with the OC that he's going to score, he's going to score f- uh, four TDs before the game's over. And 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 he he basically you know made good on his bets. <laughs> I was like, all right, <laughs> man. So how you been? How's twenty twenty been for you? I mean, actually, it's coming to an end. So how's this year been for you? I mean, the year and this year has been kind of rough, just in with the pro wrestling scene. Right. Like for me, I just I'm recently kind of new. I started wrestling, training for wrestling last June of twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. So twenty twenty was my planned breakout year. Yeah. Um, but with the pan- with the pandemic and stuff and COVID, it really limited me with bookings and to get on shows and stuff with Knox Pro. Uh, thankfully, though, with Knox Pro, uh, we've been able to run live shows live through uh, streaming. Mm-hmm. So which which is I am wrestling, which is on Tuesday uh, every night at seven thirty. Um, without that, man, I have no idea where my wrestling career will be right now. Yeah. But just with that, with the ups and downs with the gyms closing. You know, I mean, I was pretty much tired and I was like to adapt to anything you do, not just in the ring. So, you know I mean, no weights. All right, I got body weights. So I started doing a lot of burpees, started trimming up a little bit. And then once the uh, once the gyms open back up, get right back at it. 100%, man. And I can see you going the Knox Pro kind of letterman. It's looking, it's looking nice. It's looking nice. Oh, yeah, so. appreciate it, bro. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because um, I think Rikishi is the co-founder, right, of Knox Pro? Yeah, so um, the the count um, Reno, mm-hmm. Reno and I, he's the he's the he's the other uh, head trainer over there along with Rikishi. Okay, yeah. So basically, the Anoa'i family still kind of owns the promotion as they should. Very strong lineage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. 
Yeah. And and kind of for you, obviously, I think I think you're also an Uso, right? Yeah, I'm half Samoan, half Puerto Rican. Half Puerto Rican. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, yeah I mean, we'll get into your early background and kind of your multicultural, you know, upbringing a bit. But kind of talk to me about kind of how it feels for you, because obviously you are half some uh, half Samoan, you know, kind of working for the Furukishi, you know, kind of like a legend, you know, in, in, in the mm-hmm. sport under his promotion. Because, I mean, in my opinion, that's pretty big. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's, got, that's got to feel like, wow, like, you know. Yeah, no, most definitely, man. Especially in the Polynesian community, man. He's a legend. Not all, yeah. I mean, obviously he's a legend in, you know, in everyone's life, especially in the wrestling business, but right. especially yeah. more so for the Polynesians. Like, growing up, seeing someone like him that's, like, similar to me, my family, it kind of reminds us, like, oh, we can do that, too. 100%, you know? man. Yeah, no. Actually, now I got to shave my belt because now we're talking about the, about the man. All right, <laughs> let's the belt. There we go. All right, now we're now 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 it's a Rikishi interview. There okay. It is. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, obviously, you know, with Rikishi, you know, I mean, his real name is Lofa Fatu. You know, his his sons, the Usos, right? Jimmy and Jay, Joshua and Jimmy Fatu. You know, I mean, they're also former football players. They played JUCO and they went to UWA and then they broke into WWE. You know, what I mean, um, obviously Roman Reigns, right? Everyone knows Roman Reigns. You know, or the Anoais, right? You know that. So. Yeah, and then, you know, Yokozuno, you know, I mean, it's just crazy. It's awesome, you know? Hey, uh, there's also another brother that's uh, that's rising through the ranks right now in the Indies, is Sepa Fatu. So make sure you keep an eye on him, too. Okay. Well, can you repeat his first name? Nice, man. Reload every time. Bang, bang. <laughs> bang, bang. You know what's crazy? And I'm not going to try to drive a wedge, but I'm just going to ask you this because I was talking to this about uh, Nate on the last episode. Okay. Don't you don't you feel like Jay, don't you feel like Jay Uso is a little more talented than Roman? Um, no, in a sense, I think they're equal. Okay. Uh, they bring the boat, the best out of both of each other. Right. So I think that's where you get the assumption of that. Yeah. And, um, it's also Jay's first time as a single star. So he's, it's he's almost killing it, dude. I new, mean, you know, yeah. Kind of like the new kid on the block, you know, it's like, obviously it's going to be more appealing to fans. Roman, you've been seeing him, you right. know, Jay, you've seen him with the tag, but this is the first time you see him in the singles. Right. So, you know, for you to think that is a good thing is his shine has been, you know, well-deserved. But better than Roman, no, I think they bring the best out of both of each other. And with the storyline going on right now, has the fans really invested, which is the number one goal. So, 100%, man. I love it. You know I mean? The, it's funny because Nate <laughs> – it's all like, yo, man, like, like Roman, when Roman calls off the tribal chief, he's like, nah, bro, you're my little brother. You're half, man. You're light-skinned. <laughs> Easy, bro. I'm light-skinned. I'm, I'm, I'm half-free too, bro. You know what I mean? so, I'm not saying this, bro. I, can't, I, know, I don't. I'm repeating what was said that, by that, Nate. That's, a, that's another example, though. Uh, not only Rikishi, right, but Roman. Yeah. You know, um, I, you know, I'm half Samoan, so to right. have people or like Samoa Joe, you know, who's half Samoan as well. Correct. You know, to see those people like, you know, because usually if like if you're not Samoan or not full blood Samoan, sometimes you can get picked on. Right. But nowadays, it's like um, just a lot of love and support through the Polynesian community, Thank whether you're you know, half, quarter, one-fourth, you know what I mean? So that's why I'm, I'm happy to see Roman up top, too. So, <laughs> so it's a win-win. It's a win-win. win-win. You got I mean, two I'm, main eventing and some pay-per-views and stuff like that. They're the headliners. That's a W. 
Hundred percent, brother. And you know, I think I think that's a really interesting point that you said because you know people always talk about you know African American community has has that kind of stigma because like most most athletes we see outside of you know Caucasians are African American in all sports, right? Basketball, football, everything like that. And kind of the light skin debate has 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 only been debated and I think brought to the forefront in the African American community, like with Steph Curry and these other pro athletes. But obviously with us minorities, you know, I'm Pakistani. You know, you're half Samoan. You know. There's that same kind of, you know what I mean? That same kind of internal struggle within our community. It's a just, little bit. Not, yeah. as, not as crazy. But. Not as crazy. Correct. It's not as intense, right? But, yeah. I mean, it's still there, right? I mean, it's to, still to there. Yeah. It's still there. Right. So, 100%. All right, cool, man. No, I, I, I was cool. You know, kind of got the overview is kind of wrestling. But we're going to get more into detail, bro. As you can tell, I'm a diehard fan. If you can't see. Oh, no, man. I love it, bro. Uh, right there, that's Kurt Angle's autograph, and he wrote "I suck," <laughs> and that's Kurt Stone Cold's autograph. So yeah, that's man, we're gonna nice, get it. Man. Yeah, awesome. yeah, bro. So yeah, now big time. Wrestling was my first love, so that's why I have. That's why I got into football because wrestling. Man. Same. Yeah, yeah, same. Okay, cool. So let's start with your early life, brother. So yeah, obviously you're met. You mentioned you're half Puerto Rican, half Samoan. Talk to me about your early upbringing. Are you from the South Bay originally? Give me some more insight as to your early life. All right. So well, my pops is from Western Samoa, and then my mom's from Puerto Rico. Right. Uh, they met in the Bay Area, uh, like San Jose, California. Um, but I was raised in Stockton by my grandparents. Right. So I stayed in Stockton with my grandparents until high school. Okay. And then that's when I moved in with my mom. Okay. So from 2005 to 2009, I, I'm, I lived in uh, Southside San Jose, mm-hmm. went to Oak Grove High School. Football was my first love in a sense of a career choice. Right. Um, because when we talk about wrestling and my, my upbringing, man, yeah, that was that was my life, man. I, I loved it. Every Christmas, having wrestling toys, wrestling video games, you know, all the merch and stuff like that. I was a huge fan. You know, for me, it was funny too because I never thought about being a wrestler growing up. Since for me, watching them, I thought it was like unattainable. Right. Right. It's not like you wake up and like, oh man, I like you wish you can be like Spider Man or Batman or Superman, yeah. but you can't train to do that. Is either you are, or you're not. So as a kid, that's how I felt looking at these superstars, you know? Bingo. You know, so that's why for my first career choice was football. Right. So I played ball at Oak Grove High School in Southside San Jose. Mm-hmm. Um, I tore my knee before my uh, senior year. Yeah, wow. a week uh, during uh, Hell Week, like the first week of um, prep for St. Francis. Oh, that's a big game. Yeah. That's a big game, dude. Shit. Yeah, tore my MCL was rough. Uh, I braced up and played limited snaps on defense since I, I wasn't able to like move quite well laterally, but I held my own on the offensive line and we played, we had a scheme to where they worked around it. And, you know, obviously I toughened up. So it was a rough year in general though, since I couldn't get that much snaps on defense, but things happened. And then um, scholarships fell through. So I went the Juco route. So yeah. then that's why I went to De Anza, met Nay and stuff like that, you know? And that was fun too, man. I had a great year. But for me, um, I honestly, after that season, I looked myself in the mirror and I just asked myself, like, do you see yourself making to the NFL out of here? And I really didn't. You know, I looked at myself as well. I wasn't at the highest at the highest level that I need to be playing wise. So for me, I I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the best Juco in the nation. And and mind you, I had uh, Deanza coaches call me saying that oh, that's a bad idea. You didn't play well in the C League. How do you think you're going to do in the A League? This, this, and that. Like, no, like, for real, phone calls and stuff like that. Tell me I'm Atencio, making it. Atencio does that, bro. Trust me. Making, I know I'm how I got hooded. choices and stuff Go like ahead. that. Yeah. 
you know, but honestly, for me, it was like, dude, like exactly my point. If I'm not playing well in the C League, why I would, the only reason why I played football was to chase my goal, which is to be in the NFL. So I'm not going to waste my time. Right. So I transferred, uh, played football at City College San Francisco, which was amazing, man. The culture there was just way different. Uh, the atmosphere, um, they, they look at national championships or bust every year, you know? So that was the, that was the type of place I was going into. I was like, man, if I'm going to go D one, this is going to be the place. Right. You know, and then, you know, I had uh, some battles with the trying to make the trying to be the starter. Uh, week one, they since I was a new kid transfer, you know, I had to earn my stripes. So right. week one, I didn't start, had limited snaps, but I had the nine snaps at the end of the game. I had two sacks, four hurries, and I caused the interception. So from there on out, I started the rest of the season. So, nice. yeah, so I, I lucked out with that and then. After that, I got a scholarship to San Diego State, played ball out there. Um, some things happened. I got injured. Um, that was that was the roughest part. You know, I never played it down in college at D1, you know? Wow. And, you know, like Cody would know too, man. Like, we were both in the same D-line room and stuff like that. Just things just didn't work out for me. Um, I knew if I had certain right opportunities, yeah, maybe. But just things didn't pan out. You know, but yeah. so after that, man, uh, what I do after uh, San Diego State? Oh, I got into like personal training because I the reason what happened after after football, man, got really depressed. Yeah. You know, my grandfather passed. Uh, my grandma passed. You know, I was like a shell of myself because mind you, uh, after San Diego State, once I got the I got the call to come to the office, they were telling me they were going to medical me. You know, so I knew that my playing days were over at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, I was heartbroken. You know, I felt like I still had so much more left and this, this and that. But with my back injury that just started coming back from um, from high school, you know, it started stemming back up again. So that was just an issue in itself, too. So just dealing with that was rough. Um, like I said, like real deep depression. But thankfully, I, I found a CLC Vamal. Uh, owner of Ramada Fitness, he really, uh, he really took care of me, helped me, brought me up, and you know what I mean, um, changed my whole attitude, my mindset. I really felt after San Diego State, and I went over to Ramada. I felt like I was like a rebirth right. in a sense because my mentality was completely different of what I was in the past. You know, right. so. And so then now you're in personal training. That's, 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 that's a pretty interesting transition, I think, because, you know, going from D1, having your size on the league, going through that, trans, that, that depressive phase, you know, and we all go through it. You know, I mean, I, I mean, because if you play the sport and you're going Juco, it's, you're betting, you're betting yourself against the world. When you come to that realization that the dream is over for whatever reason, you're just like, you know, like, you know, it just, it hits you so hard. So I think, I think I appreciate you kind of sharing that. Um, talk to me about kind of what, I guess, you know, obviously your coping mechanism in between when you, when you started San Diego, between San Diego and starting at Ramada Fitness, talk to me about that, kind of what, what, what was going through your head. And I mean, you know, kind of obviously with your grandfather passing, there must've been a lot of you know, personal turmoil you had to deal with, right? Yeah. So I, I had a lot of depression, man, suicidal thoughts, all these things, man, because for me, it was like league or bust, you right. know, and with that mentality, it's good and bad, right? Because it pushes you and drives you. But when, when things that are out of your control happen and cause you not to 
achieve your goal, it's a hard pill to swallow. Cause then you start rethinking what if, what if, what if, and no one wins when you play the what if game, you know? So, and that's pretty much what, what really helped me was the training aspect. That's one thing I was really, always really good at was working hard. Right. You mean put my put my head down and just grinding. I I was always blessed with that, and I was taught from my dad. You know that hard work pays off, and you know there's only there's only if you, the only control you ever have on something is effort. That's the one thing you'll always have control over in your life is effort in anything you decide to do. So that's pretty much um, the coping mechanisms that I used. Um, I would train three three times a day over at uh, Romana. I would do a cardio session with Sia in the morning. I'll hit some weights in the mid-afternoon. And at night, I actually did some Tahitian dancing because they have halal over there as well. Wow. So we try to do different types of forms of cardio. But uh, every morning, every night, man, I watch YouTube videos. I watch uh, C.T. Fletcher, um, watch them a lot. You know, a lot of motivational stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. That really kept me going, you know, because waking up at 5 a.m. after going to bed, like, you know, at 12, it was pretty rough on top of, you know, with working as a personal trainer, because also I was learning how to be a personal trainer under CS. So I was also putting a lot of work hours on top of my training hours. Hmm. So it was just like, but because of that, I was so busy. I couldn't allow myself to think of anything else. Right. So that's like one of my coping mechanisms was, you know, obviously looking at some motivational things, you know, that the way I look at like, you know, when you watch motivational videos, they're all great and stuff, but I, I use it as like an analogy in a sense, like it's gas to a car, right? You have to do something with that motivation. So every time I would watch those motivations, I made sure it was before I did something physical, mm-hmm. right? So I'll watch them. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to it on the drive up. I'll watch it uh, while I'm drinking coffee before the workout, you know, so I can pretty much, like I said, gas up the whip so I can get ready to go, you know, because a lot of people, you know, yeah, the more visual stuff is hit, hit or miss. But if you do something with it, you know, it can make something happen. 100%. You know, the motivation stuff like Eric Thomas and a few others, you know, essentially yeah. it's just, it, it, it's, it's all, I mean, it, in my opinion, it preaches the same message to kind of find that inner, whatever it is, your inner wild rabbit, your inner spirit to kind of uplift you, kind of lift you from your disposition as opposed to your circumstances, you know? Yeah. And and pretty much, you know, and I can resonate with that too, right? Because I mean, we all had the dream, right? It's just sometimes it just doesn't happen, you know. It could be, it could even have to be anvil. It could be D one, you know. It could be whatever. Some people can't even get that far. Um, but you know, obviously, kind of with able, you know, with me being able to kind of, you know, also look at Eric Thomas, a few other motivational coaches and instructors, kind of to your point, leverage that to kind of and apply it, you know. Um, yeah. It also helps you become a better self motivator, you know, the more you kind of get into routine of it. So I, I, I think, I think, I think that's a great point. It's awesome, man. It's cool. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right. So now you're training, training, you're working, you're doing everything. You keep yourself busy. So talk to me about kind of how that was and kind of when did you start playing? Cause I know you, you played in the indoor football league, correct? Oh yeah, man. Yeah. So, so talk to me. Story yeah, the show. yeah. Um, so just to wrap up the little, the little Romano story. So once I started getting in shape, um, I started training again. Right. So, and then I had a, you know, I knew I still had some left in the tank. I knew I did. So I trained myself and the things that I lacked that caused me to get hurt, I made sure I fixed, mm-hmm. which was lack of mobility and core strength. Right. You know, I fixed all those things and I was training really hard. Um, I had an Arizona tryout 
Um, Rattlers. Twenty, yeah, in twenty fourteen, I believe. Twenty fourteen, and it didn't pan out. But the next year or the next season, I had another trial, and I was like, okay, cool. And this was a, a personal trial, so I was excited for it. At the same time, the San Jose SaberCats gave me a private trial as well. Yes, sir. So I'm like, okay. One, I knew I was in way better shape because, right. mind you, this was after me falling off. So at San Diego State, just to kind of have an idea of like where my body was, I was around 250 pounds, 15% body fat. You know, that was my best at my peak. Um, once I got hurt and things started falling to the wayside, I got down to, I got up to 270 pounds, but 30% body fat. Ooh. I doubled in body fat. Right. So it took me a while to kind of, you know, get the grease in the wheels and get everything in motion again. So once I had the first trial, it's not that I knew I wasn't ready, but I knew I had much more to catch up, you know? Yeah. So on the second one, I knew it was currents because I was at my strongest um at that point um i was at my fastest at that point i was at my most uh athletic at that point right so i knew it was just a matter of me showing up putting in the work and then signing that contract right um at least that see that was the confidence i had yeah um, so i go to san jose um get ready for my private trial uh no calls no messages nothing i'm just like what's going on uh that same weekend i fly in I see online that the San Jose Sabercats went under and they were no longer a part of the arena football league. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So at that point, 24, I think it was 2015. 2015. Yep. That's right. At 2015. That's when I thought I hung up my cleats. Yeah. Uh, my football cleats. Because then I, I was like, man, I want to do something athletic, you know, cause I was, at, I was doing powerlifting in between here and there. And later down the road, I'll take I take it more serious, which right. I'll explain because it was it was right before Arena or the IFL. Right. So I started playing rugby. I was missing like missing being athletic, missing like you know moving, you know, and like just being on that field and just hitting somebody. You know, I really missed that. And rugby helped me for a little bit. The issue with rugby was it proved in my mind that I can still play football, right? Because rugby would expose me in football sense, open field, wide, you know, lateral movement, speed, conditioning, things that I, I not necessarily was bad at, but I definitely lacked in those right. areas. So once I kind of fixed that and played rugby and it forced me to be better at those things, man, that's when it made me miss the game even more. Um, and then what stopped me from playing rugby was one that, Maybe miss football. The whole reason why I was going to play rugby was for me to get over football. Maybe miss it more. So it kind of was a little bitter. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but the one, the final thing that made me switch was I did a random bench press uh, competition. Mm -hmm. And at this bench press competition, I did uh, 500 pounds for the first time bench press. Wow. Mind you, I'm training for, I'm training for rugby. Right. You know, and I benched 500 pounds. So while I was training for rugby, I mean, like I run three miles every other day. Um, you know, my workouts are, you know, obviously I'm still doing things to get stronger, you know, but my main emphasis is to be the best rugby player I can. So once I benched 500, like not necessarily trying, mm -hmm. I was like, man, maybe I should get into this, like really focus into the powerlifting stuff. So then I did. Started, um, I broke the California state record for 275. 
uh, bench press uh, with 534 at the time. Um, then I started getting excited and then started really trying to push the push the envelope a little bit. Um, I was blessed to be able to be a part of the current US Open. Uh, the current US Open at the time that I was competing, um, two winners in the male division, heavyweight and lower weight, um, between I believe 198 and below and 220 and above. So there's two different weight classes. Winner gets 40K. So it's a really big, like, top lifters in the world competition. So right. once I got blessed and I got the inv invitation to do that, man, that's why I was like, you know what? This is my time. Let me go all in on this. Um, I luckily, my trainer, Chris Gorder at the time, he really helped me uh, peak to be at my strongest at that meet. But at the same time, I put on like a hundred pounds. Cause then I was like, you know what? Cause my mindset was, I want to bench 600 pounds. I want to bench 700 pounds at one time. Eventually that was my next goal. So after that competition, I did really well. I squatted 750. Um, I benched, I believe, 584, somewhere around there. And then I deadlifted, um, uh, I think, close to seven in that meet. If, if I don't, I think so, yeah. And then after that meet, that's why I was like, you know what? Let me get into this bench press stuff. I wanted to get the 600 off the, you know, off the, off the record. Yeah. So I trained for that. And then I was able to bench 600, 600 pounds in competition. Then I also pressed uh, 635 in the gym. And let's see, my best incline was six plates. So at this point, I'm just like moving houses, right? Yeah. Very strong, like <laughs> at my peak. At, at, and honestly, I believe I could have been seven plates. Yeah. Like my 635, six and a quarter on bench went pretty smooth. Mm -hmm. But I thought, I was like, you know what? Let me not get hurt. I can try this down down the road. Right. Uh, but man, getting tired, tying my shoes, getting tired, walking to the car. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the things my day-to-day -day life sucked. Yeah. That one hour of the day, I felt like King Kong. You know what I mean? Wrecking shit. You know, do all, oh, my bad. Wrecking stuff. Do Wrecking shit, stuff. boy. No, talk that <laughs> shit. No, this is the unfiltered podcast. Hey, whatever the fuck you want, Maybe. man. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so for me, man, it was just, the other 23 hours in the day yeah. is what really made me change my mind on what I, I what I wanted to do. Right. You know, so I seen a couple pictures during Christmas time. I'm like, oh my God, man, I look terrible. Yeah. You know, but I'm strong. And that's why I hate it. I was like, you know, I'm over it. Like I want to be more athletic again. So I go through those same, the same cycle again, you know? So I'm like, okay, you know, what, what should I do? Cause I, yeah. that's all I was like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. You know, cause at the time football was done by by any means like i was way out of shape when it comes to football yeah. like a, a lot so like i never even thought about it right um so my wife's watching it's funny you're gonna see how all the dots connect yeah uh my wife's watching i believe uh total divas the total bellas okay and you know and i'm watching it with her you know there's a uh, john cena and daniel bryan on the show so then you know she sees the male wrestlers mm -hmm. and then she asked me she's like why don't you wrestle? I really, I really sat down and thought about it and I couldn't give her an answer why I shouldn't right. or why I haven't done it yet. Right. Um, and it made me realize like, wow, I never thought it was attainable. I never thought it was achievable because remember what I told you earlier in the podcast was uh, I looked at them as superstars. Bingo. Right? And they are. You know, as they are. Yeah. So 
but I didn't realize that I can also become a superstar. Right. So once I was like, you know what? You're right. So let me give it a try. I go on Instagram and I message Rikishi. Yeah. I said, hey, sir, um, I'm interested in to getting pro wrestling. Um, do you have any advice? You know, what should I do next? You know, he was nice enough to respond back. And he said, show up to the domain, drop the address of Knox Pro Entertainment in the nice California. And I showed up. But the only issue with that is that same day I messaged Rikishi. I'm walking in the store and the San Diego offensive line coach for the strike force sees me. Yeah. And he's like, Hey, and I was like, what's up? He's like, you play football? I said I, I used to. And then I was, and then he's like, where'd you play? I told him I played San Diego state. I told him that I was going to play for the Sabercats before they went under. Yeah. So literally he's like, okay, I'll show up to practice the next day. So <laughs> I could try to introduce you to the GM. I go meet meet them the next very day. They're in they're in uh, hell week. They're in training camp, mini camp. And I was like, okay, I'll just show up, show up, watch everyone play. I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Met the GM and stuff like that. And then they signed me right there on the spot. Nice. <laughs> so, and then, but, but mind you, I'm super out of shape. <laughs> the worst cardiovascular shape I've ever been in my life. Right. I'm surprised I didn't get cut in the first two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Like my physical mentality is the only reason why I was able to last as long as I did. Um, because it's hilarious. My job was super out of shape. Uh, they had me playing offensive line, a position that I'm not naturally good at in a right. sense. I'm more like, let me go play. Let me go play defense. I'll go hawk the ball down, you know? So first week, first game starting at center, never played center in my life. <laughs> How was yeah. that? <laughs> it wasn't actually it wasn't actually that bad okay I held my own. Yeah. you know we were we we're the new team in the league so we weren't too good yeah you know things you know things didn't pound out i wouldn't exactly. say the athletes on our team wasn't good we definitely had weapons um okay. not necessarily saying the coaches weren't good but some things just don't add up right so yeah things happen Things happen. And to that point, you know, like I said, I mean, my West Valley team, like, you know, Kyle Cool, I mean, he, we wanted to go play pro two in the IFL and the NIL and the almost AFL. And I also got a Sabercast tryout too in 2010. And then when they realigned, I just said, you're shit out of luck. <laughs> so I, we actually have that same experience, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, just because, and it's, it's funny, this is kind of a recurring theme with all the guests I've had on the show. Just because you have the talent or just because your record doesn't, isn't the best, that doesn't, it doesn't speak to the level of talent you have on the team. It doesn't speak to the level of, you know, kind of, co it just means the cohesiveness and, and, and all the things behind the scenes weren't there in place for your team to be successful. So, yeah. Okay. So strike force, man. Okay. So now you pretty much went that route. Okay. And Rikishi still on the kind of, you know, the fence or, I mean, well, how did you manage that? Right. Because that's your first day. And then the guy sees you. So what do you tell Rikishi? <laughs> oh, oh, mind you. Like, and also at the same time, I was also part of a, of a lifting group. Okay. So that same year, uh, they flew us out to the Arnold. Okay. So I had to miss, <laughs> I had to miss a game. Oh. Because I, I had to go to Ohio for uh, the Arnold, the fitness okay. expo. Right. You know, to, you know, to do the meet and greets. Right. So it was, it was, it was quite a busy year. Yeah. Uh, so pretty much once I, because the thing is, uh, I signed, and then later on I went and met with Rikishi at the day he he told me to come. Right. And I told him I was like, hey, I was like, after I'm done with this football season, I'm coming. 
And, you know, I, I just let him know, like, I'm serious about this. Like, this is what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, but I made a commitment and I want to give old Bruce, the Bruce that worked so hard to get that football contract, the Bruce that worked so hard to become a professional football player. I wanted him to have this chance to play. Right. You know, but because obviously I was not in, I was in no shape or form to play that year. Right. You know, I had to get in shape during throughout the entire season. Right. I started the season around like 390 and I got down to, I believe, 340, 330 by the end of the year. It's pretty good. You know, and then I felt a lot better, played a lot better. You know, I had a couple breakout games on defense, you know, and I was starting to feel my, I was like, okay. But at the same time, I was still way bigger than I've ever played football. So it was still like foreign to me to be playing at that weight, you know? So, but. Yeah, and I was just I was just happy to be able to say that I played. You know, that was one of the things I wanted to check off. You know. Yeah, because then you can just be like, "Look at me, I did it." Exactly. You know? <laughs> that's it. You know. So, and that's that, that was my motivation for, for playing after even the Sabercats said no. I got invited to AIF, um, the Stockton Wolves, also kind of like IFL back then. Twenty. Oh no, I know what Stockton Wolves are. Yeah, yeah, I was there. Then they then they said no. Then they rebranded as the Eagles, and then they that finally went. They called me back again, and that was twenty twelve. And then we basically like, all right, we got a spot for you, 81. I'm like, what? Shit. You know what I mean? And so yeah. kind of that's actually where I got this. Let me pull this off for you. you can see there it this. is. Let me show you this. California Eagles Western Conference Champions 2012. Yeah, Zerskis. There yeah, it is. Zerskis. See right here. Let me show you this side. My name, Osfali, number 81, special teams player of the year. And you, if you can see that little thing right there, that's the trophy for that actual special teams player of the year. That's so, awesome, man. Yeah. That's great. That's <laughs> great. Yeah, man. I mean, like – Football is just kind of like you said, just to say that you did it, you know, and uh, that's the point of this whole podcast. Just to say we did it because we did it. Yeah. You know, we were able to Sometimes get paid. They, they can't take that away from you. you know? 100%. percent we have done. Trust me, man. I still have I still have the little voices in the back of my head like, hey, you thought you were good last year out of shape. Imagine now, you know, I'm like, oh. <laughs> uh, let me just focus on the rest of the Shut up, yeah. voices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's funny. I know you my said- truth, man. Yeah. I know my truth. You yeah. know, that's, that's the thing. Is like, I think that was my biggest thing. And it's hilarious. The, it, when I decided I was over football, because for the longest, I was really bitter. I couldn't right. watch football. I was pissed off seeing the people that were on TV. And I felt like I could have been there as well. Right. And that I should. I, I know I have the capability and the talents to play in the NFL. A lot of people do. There's people yeah. that aren't in the NFL that are better than the players that are there. They just had an opportunity and they succeeded when they were supposed to. Bingo. You know, like you have one bad game and that was the game they watched and it's a wrap, you know, things like that, you know. But for me, man, it's just now I'm like just trying to go all in with the wrestling stuff. Yeah. And that's a perfect segue. So now that's last year, 2019. You wrap up the strike force. You do great. You get to say you play yeah. pro. Congratulations, Bruce. He fulfilled his promise to himself, the old Bruce. Now. You're back in camp. Rikishi, I promise you made him after the season's over. I'm full in. Now you're back. Talk to me. Yeah. So during this time, I'm 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 living in San Diego. Right. So and the domain isn't not the domain of Knox Pro is in Van Nuys, California, in LA. In LA. So I would drive to training three times a week. So I would drive there, it takes three, three or so hours if I hit traffic <laughs> four. Wow. And come back home is like two hours, two twenty, two thirty. Mm-hmm. You know, so I would drive over fifteen hours a week, 
well over 15 hours a week just to train. Wow. That's 15 hours on the road a week. <laughs> oh my God. So I did that for a good part of a year. Yeah. And then after that, I uh, moved to Vallejo. Um, mm-hmm. I moved to Vallejo to, to stay with my moms so that when that, that call up happens, when I get that tryout, when it's time for me to move to Orlando or Tampa, whatever company wants to sign me, yeah. um, then I can, you know, I can, I'm more flexible in, in a sense. I can leave whenever I need to. I don't have to worry about paying, you know, rent, double rent or worrying about, cause you know, I'm a father, you know, so my wife and son, I want to make sure they're taken care of and there's family members of mine that are nearby that can help out if I have to leave on, on, you know, last minute notice. Yeah. So that was, that was pretty much, uh, what caused me to move back to the Bay area, but I still go to Knox pro. So you go so down. I'll drive. Yeah. So I'll drive like once a week to, you know, once every other week to at least once a month, like roughly around those ranges. So I'll drive five hours, train when I get there, uh, crash at a buddy's house, wake up in the morning, train again, and then drive right back. I did that for a good part of 2020. Wow. And then when the pandemic happened, then that's when training got shut down for a little bit. Yeah. But thankfully, with Reno and Rikisha over at Knox Pro, man, they made um, they made the best out of worst situation. Like we're like like they taught us, you know, adapt, and that's exactly what they did. And because they did, I felt like my progression as a wrestler grew a lot because of the times of we had zoom interviews and stuff like that with um, some of their friends, right. You know, and they would kind of give us, you know, they would run us the game of like how the business was for them, you know, any things that we wanted to ask them, we were allowed to. So it was pretty nice. Like hearing all these legends give, give us their point of views on how the business was for them growing up and how it is for them right now, you know, all those things. And then we had film classes where Keisha would, um, set up a video and be like, hey, watch this, you know, look it through a wrestler's eye and then we'll have film class afterwards. Um, all those things really helped me in the developmental of my, of my mindset, of my uh, psychology when it comes to wrestling. And obviously the physical attributes are there. You know, I'm huge, I'm strong, I'm quick, I'm fast. Like those things explosive, like those things are easy, you right. know? It's like, okay, now, now can you make it all make sense? So during that period really helped out a lot. You know, so yeah, man, 2020, man, yeah, COVID stuff sucks, but yeah, try to find the silver lining. And for me, I feel like that was a huge silver lining was I felt like I made leaps and bounds in my psychology sense, maybe not with my technique in the in ring work because of, you know, less hours in the ring, but I felt like I made it up somewhere else. That makes sense. That makes total sense because, and this is, and now we're going to, we're going to dive into this because I'm a historian when it comes to wrestling. If you haven't watched my last name, Nate, yeah, no, I'm good. So, but let me, let me, let me talk to kind of viewers who aren't familiar, (laughs) who aren't, who aren't familiar with the term psychology, psychology of the business. What does that mean? That means basically, for example, when, when, if people aren't, who aren't familiar with the terms terminology, like putting someone over, taking a bump. You know what I mean? Like being able to snap, being able to, you know, um, just, you know, work, right? Work well in the ring, kind of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Getting the, those opportunities to work in the ring limited. The psychology is, is a key aspect because wrestling storytelling, a lot of it storytelling. Being That's able true. to 
and, and, and it's funny because, you know, it, I was just watching this interview between Kane and Undertaker. Kane was talking about the psychology of the business, meaning that, for example, Kane losing to Stone Cold. He beat Stone Cold Steve Austin at King of the Ring 1998. The next night on Raw, he loses. But he said the psychology of the business works so funny that he actually became bigger by losing the belt yeah. back to Austin. What does he mean by psychology? Like Triple H says this to all the guys in developmental, and you know this. Yeah. I feel like a lot of you guys aren't taking this to the real life. I feel like you guys, and so I was watching Drew McIntyre talk about this on his show, right? Drew McIntyre is basically saying that, you know, for anyone who's trying to like, he's like, he's like, Triple H kept telling me like, you know, like I'm not, I'm not doing this, but he's like, I do, I'm fucking playing this character. I'm coming and lacing my boots. Well, uh, he ends up getting released from WWE after eight years, you know, cause he, it just, it, it, it wasn't working. Yeah. Then he ends up going to Ireland, ICW, the indie, indie circuit where you're at right now. And he basically cuts a promo about kind of like, oh, how Vince wants the guys with the big muscles with this and with that. You know, he wants to put them over the mic skill, this and that. And then, and then, and then it, he, he, was, he was saying that, you know, that's when it became real for me. So psychology means that, you know, for you, for you, yes, you're playing a character on the screen. However, you can't just, you can't just play the character. You have to psychologically be the character. You know what I mean? So kind of talk to me about your experience with that, you know, obviously kind of balancing because a lot of, a lot of wrestling, this is what people don't know. They blur the lines between reality and fiction. So kind of talk to me about that a little bit. Um, psychology on my sense of things when it comes to like my character development is still an ongoing thing. Okay. I'm still finding myself in the ring. Um, I mean, I feel like I will always still be finding myself in the ring. I'm going to always find ways to be better. Yeah. Um, but right now I'm just focusing on my in-ring work. Mm-hmm. And let that speak on what character I am. Right. Got it. Yeah. You no, know, I'm not gonna be like, I'm this character, I'm doing this, I'm this gimmick. No, my name's Bruce La Pepe. I go by totally on a warrior lion. Yeah. You know what I mean? I bring that same energy that I did in the football field. I bring that same energy when I'm in the squad record bench first. So I'm about to deadlift hella weight. I bring that same energy in the ring. Right. Now, what I do in that ring, I'll let you decide what I am. And leave it at that. That's and that's a perfect kind of I love I love your answer because if you think about it, kind of, you know, a lot of times and this is what Roman struggled with in his career, right? In the sense that his perception persona, a lot of it was carved out by leadership, right? And then he was struggling to find himself until recently when it's like Roman's a natural heel. You know, can you agree with me on that? Do you believe Roman's a natural heel or do you think he's a better face? Um, honestly. I don't think he got a true opportunity at being a face. The yeah. fans turned on him like immediately. Yeah. So I don't think we had a chance to see him. Cause the thing is you can't be a face if the fans are booing you. Correct. You know, so for people to judge him about that, it's like, if the fans was backing him, obviously that's the whole reason why, you know, he was supposed to be a face was their idea was like he, the fans are going to get behind him, but yeah. that wasn't the case, you know, but I do love his heel work a lot and i think it comes naturally because it's more in the sense of like he's not he's not telling any lies bingo he's a a heel because he's a heel because we view him as a heel he's been the same person this entire time right the entire time the only difference is he's not being humble about it that's the only difference he's been he's been wrecking shit and leaving he's been doing that wreck wreck everyone and you know leave fucking shit up man He's always been doing that, you know? But what's the difference now? The difference now is, you know, okay, you know, let him just be natural. Let him have the mic. Let him speak. Let him, you know, carve up these good storylines, you know, with Jay, you know, and eventually, you know, we'll see when Jimmy comes into the scene, you know? Oh, yeah, I can't wait. A lot of different things, man. Yeah. But 
it's hard to say his heel work isn't better than his face work, but at the same time, I don't feel like he never got a chance to be a true face, which I feel will happen within the next few years. I agree. So I'm excited to see I agree. his character development moving forward. Right. Because now when the fans actually because now when the fans are actually backing him up because they see how dominant is and how good of a heel he is, he'll have the triple H effect where he That's gets hated so much to where he eventually becomes beloved. Or Rocky. You know, the right. that's that's you. That's where I was going, and I don't mean to interrupt you, Bruce, because you're you're nailing what I'm my point. You know, yeah. Bruce Lepepe, aka Toa Leona, right? That's the character of Knox Pro, but kind of because what you mentioned about your approach, let the let let you know you're gonna let the fans decide for you. Because where I was going with that was kind of with Rocky, right? When he was trying to when they remember that when they tried to push him as a face. And then it's like, it's kind of corny, you know? I mean, it's kind of like, you know, and then Rocky, but he's not doing anything wrong. He's not doing anything wrong. The fans are just turning on this guy because they feel like it's forced. They feel like it's, he's not being his natural self, you yeah. know? Triple H, same thing. It's like, you know, he is like, they try to make him the this Hunter Hill Assembly, the, the DX, after DX dissolves, then what? Well, who is Triple H, right? I think kind of to your point, you know, now, I mean, your approach is so much, is so, is so, uh, uh, I guess, what's the word? It's so um, it's so direct. It's so direct in the sense yeah. that I'm not. You're not going to force your character onto anyone. You're not going to define I, what I the. I just want to make it like organic. Yeah, you want to make it like organic, exactly. And when the fans and Drew McIntyre said the same thing, it's like when when he when he was when he was trying to do three MB when he was trying to do all these other gimmicks to be the chosen one, fans didn't really like it because it's like you know he's he's trying too hard you know and he's not really being who, who he is. Then when he finally leaves to go to ICW because that promo. It's like, oh my God, this is Drew McIntyre. This is who we're gonna get. And same thing with Toa Leona, man. I mean, it's obviously you haven't, you, you know, we're gonna see what, 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 what's gonna be. Are you gonna be a phenomenal face? Or are you gonna be a, you know, a fucking a, a white hot heat attracting heel? You know what I mean? So I'm excited for that. Yeah, so, man. I'm, I'm wherever the company needs me to be. That exactly, you know. So talk to me about prior to COVID hitting. Um, were you? I know, I know. Obviously, you spent most of last year playing in the IFL. But talk to me about kind of were you um were you were you involved in any matches at all with 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 live audience? No. Oh wow. <laughs> so Knox Pro had uh, something partner with MGM over in the Philippines. Oh wow. So we were supposed to do a tour in the Philippines. Yeah. So that's when I was supposed to make my debut. Uh, yeah. I believe it might happen earlier if we were able to run some shows and stuff. Yeah. But in my in my head, I think that's when it was going to happen, unless we had some shows prior to that. But with COVID, it stopped everything. Right. So um, I didn't have my debut until July 14th of 2020. Right. And it wasn't, it wasn't in front of a crowd. <laughs> so, oh, man. But here's the thing, though. But here's the thing. Yeah. Uh, for everyone that wrestles in front of no crowds, for me, it didn't feel weird because I've always wrestled in front of no crowds. Correct. In training. Right. So once training became the showtime, it was almost, it did feel the sense of like seeing the camera, the red light going. And I know there's hundreds and then thousands and eventually people are going to watch it. So then that's, that drives me a lot. You know, like the, it gives me the anxiety, you know, I always yeah. feel like if I'm not nervous then I, I'm not, I shouldn't be doing, I shouldn't be doing it. You know, right. when it comes to career path, you know, if you're not doing something that makes you a little bit nervous, you're not taking a big enough risk, in my opinion. I agree with that. It's funny you mentioned that. So Kevin Owens, I was watching his recent chronicles. I keep I keep signing yeah. WWE wrestlers. I, I I know wrestling company. I'll get to them. Don't worry. But then I just, like I just watched this recently, so I, I want it because you're you're hitting you're you're jolting my memory. Kevin Owens was talking about WrestleMania. He said before COVID hit, 
He was going to go to Raymond James Stadium where the Buccaneers play. He's going to yeah. go on the ship. He took a picture of it. He's going to jump off the ship in front of like 70,000, 80,000 fans. COVID hits. WrestleMania is indoors. There's no fans, right? So what does he have to do? He just jumps off the WrestleMania sign. What did he say? The adrenaline rush was exactly the same. It didn't yeah. didn't matter. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, that, that that I obviously I would wish I had a debut in front of a live crowd. I mean, I've only wrestled five matches. Yeah. Um, in my you know early career. <laughs> yeah. And um, only one of the matches was in front of a live crowd. Right. So I've I've luckily had my live crowd debut, <laughs> which okay. was which was fun, man. It was a uh, over at Versus Pro in in Las Vegas, uh, nice. Nevada. Nice. Uh, great great promotion great people yep. over there right. um i had a chance man it was great and honestly man it was it was so much fun hearing the crowd react to your moves and you know seeing them following the story that we're trying to tell exactly you know, it was it was really rewarding you know versus reading the comments afterwards on the shows that we've done that's rewarding as well you know seeing everyone cheering for you or booing for you whatever response you're trying to get and seeing it online, you know, kind of makes up for the, the lack of uh, fan interaction during the show. Right. But had the live, uh, live fans and the interaction during the show was, was really nice. Obviously I never had it. So it was kind of cool, you know, right. Um, my last, but then ever, ever since then I've been back to like no crowds, but right. you know, <laughs> whenever, whenever it's time when the crowds come back, I'll be ready. 100%, 100%, man. I know you will, man. And exactly to your point, uh, Drew McIntyre, again, when he was on Stone Cold's Broken Skull podcast last week, he said that, like, Stone Cold's like, what's, what's your one New Year's resolution? One, one wish for 2020. He's like, 2021. He's like, fans. <laughs> He's like, it's just not the same. You know, it's it's not, you know, because, like you said, it, it's, it's just different when you have the, the, the ambiance, the atmosphere, and you're seeing how you're, you're, you, you, I think the biggest thing in pro wrestling is establishing that connection with the audience. When you can, when you can establish the connection with the audience, and like you said, you can make them either cheer or boo, or I mean, you can whatever reaction you incite, and you're able to just get that from them. It makes you know, okay, I got something here. Either which direction, you know, versus like you going online and read the the, the comments on the live feed, and it's like, okay, yeah, we love your show. Okay, yeah, you know, Total Leona, great. Hey, Total Leona, boo or whatever, you know. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's two different two different dynamics, you know. Yeah. It's like one one is like you get the instant satisfaction of hearing a response versus the post. Correct. So, okay, I guess that worked. Let me see when was this. Okay. You know, things like that. <laughs> well, give, me, give me one second, boss. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Pause recording. We're back with Toa Leona, aka well, Bruce LePepe, aka Toa Leona. I'm gonna show Bruce a clip right here. So this is some work from your recent match, right? Oh yeah, it's a little clip. Cannabolics is your opponent, correct? No, it's a uh, Fabioso. Fabioso, okay. Fabricio. Yeah, Cannabolics is actually my uh, my CBD sponsorship. So. Oh Good wow, so you're sponsored by Cannabolics. Excellent. Shout out to Cannabolics. So talk to me about that finisher that that just that just played on the screen. What 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 is that called? Is that your finisher? So for me, I mean, there's there's people that call it like Sidewinder. Like there's different people that call it different things. I personally call it the Umaga Slam. Umaga Slam. That's how I remember the move. Yes. You know, and like, I'm not one to say that I know every single move and the exact name of it. And, you know, obviously I do love wrestling and I'm still being a fan of the sport itself when it comes right. to the actual moves and stuff. Right. So by no means am I saying like, this is the name of the move, but this <laughs> that's why, that's why I call it. I look at that and like, almost like pay tribute to, you know, 
Eki, aka Umaga, you know, a little tribute because I love that movie, did man. And when I was getting to pro wrestling, I was like, man, that's what I want to do whenever the time is right. I want to pull it out. So don't forget, he's also a holder of this belt. So exactly, Kishu Umaga, man. So soon, this is going to be your your belt when you get when you break in. Man, you know? that's the goal. God willing, you know. But I mean, to your point, I think Umaga, Jamal was his first was pre character. Uh, he 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 went through so many transitions um, uh, yeah. of, of characters and phases before he became Umaga, right? Yeah, don't I mean there's still ECMO, yeah, you know, there's the Island Boys, yeah. uh, and there he yeah, a lot of people don't know all the all the characters he did going before he was Umaga, you know. Right, and Three Minute Warning was my favorite. Yeah, I mean that was wrecking shop. Yeah, bro, crazy. you know what I'm saying, bro, dude, that that's the most uso shit ever. You got two, you know, usos like with like the jerseys of like football players just showing up. Did I hear someone say three minutes when Bischoff says that, and they just they just run through the ring? I mean, and bro, like kind of to the point, like they prove that big men can be athletic. Big yeah. men, Jamal and Rosie, proved that they could that you can be 350 plus pounds and you can still fly through the air. You can still jump, Umaga especially. You know, so kind of yeah. Yeah, man. That, during those times, it was crazy, man. Um, for them being like heels, they were yeah. really over. Right. Crowd went nuts because they knew like the way I look at it is like everyone loves watching a train wreck. Everyone loves watching a car crash. They're just gonna wait and see. Yeah, you know, like, like what Goldberg say, you know, everyone likes to see them be fed to the lions, and everyone just wants to watch carnage. Yeah, some people like to see the world burn, you know. Yeah. And there's a time and place for that, and why not pro wrestling? Bingo, man! <laughs> pro wrestling is the perfect place for that, as we both perfect know. place. No one gets hurt. <laughs> exactly. I mean, sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, obviously. So talk about your influences, because Umaga obviously is one of your influences. Kind of you being a big man, because you're what six three, three oh five, right? Yeah, like six three, six four, like threes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah three, yeah, three fifteen, three oh four, however much it is, right? Over three hundred. Yeah. Um, and Umaga relatively same in size, made with twenty five yeah. pound difference, not that much, you know. Yeah. Kind of it was was he who talk about your influences as a wrestler? Man, so my influence as a wrestler, um, as me being a professional wrestler, Correct. my yeah. influences are. You know, Umaga, obviously, Rikishi, and yep. Yoko. Yoko. Those were my early ons. Like, those are obviously, you know, big men, Samoan. You know, those are things uh, I was really, like, um, trying to, like, not necessarily mirror my game, but add a little uh, bits and pieces here and there to my game that reflects them right. a little bit. Um, obviously, another one for me is Miro. Miro. Uh, formerly known as Rusev. Rusev, but yep. Now uh, Miro, the best man over at All Elite Wrestling. AEW. I, I mean, he's a, he's a good friend of mine, and he really helps me out and stuff. So I like watching his stuff because he's been through the exact same things that I've been going through currently. He's a Knox Pro alum. So he wow. was trained under Rikishi wow. and Gangrel and Reno. Wow. So, you know, listening to his advice and – then in turn watching the same film, I'm like, okay, I see what he's doing here. I see how he does this, you know, and the same thing with like Umaga, Rikishi and Yoko. Like I'll say like, when it comes to my wrestling, um, like motivation stuff, I would say them, but also, man, it, it hurts, but like Brody Lee. Brody Lee, man. Was, uh, Rest in peace. Golly. Yeah, man, that, that one hurt, bro. That hurt that me too. Hurt. I mean, yeah. you know I mean? Any wrestling fan, but sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, he's good, but like he was like a big influence um, currently 
you yeah. know, he was like one of my newer influences that I was really taking a liking to. Uh, reason being is because I love the story of the guy that didn't get the opportunity and he's a big man and I loved his character at WWE. Yeah. So when he went over to AEW, man, I was so excited to see what was to come. And just the taste that we got, man, of him being the exalted one was great, man. you know, and I was waiting for his comeback, you know, because when I was looking up moves and like thinking of things I can do, uh, Brody Lee, uh, Luke Harper, however you know him as, I would watch his stuff a lot. And it's actually how I got my Ramana, which is AKA known as like the discus, the mm. 360 discus clothesline. Okay. You know, uh, my first match, I threw a regular clothesline and I was like, uh, it's all right. You know, I throw a good clothesline, but then I just kept, I was watching Brody Lee just throw this nasty 360. And I was yeah. like, you know what? I said, I should try it. I said, and then ever since then, I just incorporated it in my moveset, you know? So yeah, he's, he's one of my biggest uh, influencers as well. Yeah, rest in peace, John Huber, aka okay, Brody Lee and Luke Harper, part of the Wide family, and uh, obviously in AW. I watch AW intently, so I mean Kenny Omega, Jericho. I yeah. love those guys. I love I love all indie circuits, man. I love you know everyone, man, because people don't understand how much undiscovered talent there is, and that's where it feeds up into the WWE, right? You obviously yeah. have Knox Pro, you have ICW, you have Impact, which is a little bit more major. AW is a little bit more major, in my opinion. Both are major, you know. What I mean, on, on WWE because they're on national syndication. But you have other promotions too, you know. What I mean, we only scratch up like MPW, uh, ROH is still around, right? I mean, you no, know, but those are still kind of major, minor-ish, you know. So it's yeah. just like we have. There's so much talent out there, right? And kind of Brody Lee, you know, is how I remember him because I watch AW intently. He was, I was kind of to your point. I was waiting for him to become world champion because it was just. It was a matter of time. Yeah. It wasn't. A, it wasn't if. It was a matter of when. Right. Um, I think they they set it up perfectly having him win the TNT first. Yeah, you know, and then after he lost having him off, you know, TV for a little bit, I think that was gonna be next to come. I feel like, my personal opinion, I think he was gonna be the next heel champion after Omega. Right. That's what I thought. You know, if I was if I was guessing on how the booking was gonna go, I I thought he was gonna be the next heel champion whenever that would be. Yeah. You know, you know, because I mean, Moxley had it for a whole year before <laughs> Omega. Took it, so, and Jericho had it for damn near next one. Whenever that you know, would happen, you know? Yeah. But things happen, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, this is just, yeah, things happen. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, when they say it's like a lung disease, lung disorder, I just, I, it didn't make sense. Cause you look at him, he says, he, he's a big man, but he's, he's like, not like, he kind of like you, he's built. There's not that much body fat. You know I mean, what I mean? Not, not many people his size can do a topu su yeah. uh, Sorry if I got it wrong, but <laughs> through the second <laughs> rope, man. Yeah. I still like pop off that. I'm like, that's crazy. Yeah, the clothesline, kind of like you mentioned the clothesline, that's also like the clothesline from hell, but it's a little bit better because when you get the 360 going, it's like, okay, that's yeah. that's you like... know what's funny you say that is he actually got a lot of uh cues and help from uh John Bradshaw. Did he really? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I've seen some like interviews and stuff like that like, uh, that Bradshaw said, but yeah, it's funny you said that. <laughs> yeah, and Bradshaw's also a former NFL player. He was on the mm -hmm. yeah Raiders with the practice squad, and he played in the WFL. Yeah, twelve games. So just football and wrestling, bro. It just builds. It's a pipeline, yeah, bro. Yeah. But it's funny though. Not every football player can be a pro wrestler. Oh yeah, right dude. now. Yeah. This, this this game ain't for the weak hearted. It ain't for the weak hearted, man. Like Goldberg to me was probably the perfect example of like he's a perfect like just transition into like football from pro football, you know, yeah. into wrestling, into wrestling, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, but he but he didn't have to be innovative like The Rock or Stone Cold Steve Austin. You have to do technical grappling. You have to learn how to do submissions. You have to learn how to do you know aerobics. And kind of to your yeah. point, Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe's a perfect example. You know. Yeah. Or even more recent too is you know Baron Corbin. Baron, Baron Corbin, Corbin. who played for like the Cardinals and some other teams and stuff like that. Yeah. He made the transition, and he's actually you know a pretty decent wrestler himself in his own right. You know. Yeah. So making that transition, man, there's more people that fail than, than succeed. Right, right. And it's tough. It's a very tough business, you know, and sometimes it's funny because like you said, it's sometimes you have the chips like kind of written and stacked in your favor and you still fail and you can't yeah. control the odds. That's what Drew McIntyre had to go through. He had to go through two careers, basically. One where he makes it to WWE, then goes stays for eight years, doesn't make nothing. He wins this belt, but that's it. And then he gets cut. And then he comes back after he goes to the independent circuit, kind of climbs his way back into it, gets into NXT roster, does great. And then he finally, you know, gets him to prune the main roster. Now you see the kind of output. It's like he's become a phenomenal champion as a result of his struggles. And I think that's kind of what we need. You know, I got that, that, that's kind of a perfect kind of story. And obviously with you, you know, you're obviously on the come up right now. Um, there's probably gonna be more for you too coming up. So. I mean, ideally, yeah. <laughs> not willing, you know, Will, um, man. I'm going to like everything I've done in my life, man, whenever it's like following a coach or a trainer, man, I'm just going to trust the process. Trust the process. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to listen to the trainers over at Knox Pro, Rikishi and Reno and whatever hey. they say I'm going to do. You yeah, know, um, <laughs> pretty good hands you're in, man. <laughs> you know? And it's funny, man. I've heard stories of people that, you know, that don't necessarily take the advice of someone of their caliber, you know, and then they go out, you know, into the Indies or into like, try to go to the WWE and do these trials and stuff and they're not ready. Right. So for me, I know, I know I don't have many shots. So when I'm going to make my shot count. Right. So with that being said, like, I'm not going to go thinking I'm ready. I'm going to go whenever they think I'm ready. And I know when they think I'm ready, that's when I know I am ready. If that makes yeah. sense. Until then, man, I'm gonna do what I've been doing, which is just grind my ass off and work harder. (laughs) What talk to me about some of the lessons that you've learned under them, under both Rikishi and Reno. Talk to me about that. Oh man, where where to begin? Exactly. You tell me, Uh, tell me what you, yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Let's see. One of the lessons, like easy lesson, you know, is a matter of respect. Uh, the the way to speak to people, uh, especially in the business and stuff, mm-hmm. um, I felt they helped me a lot in the sense of like knowing how to speak in certain environments to where I won't get heat from certain people. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's honestly they're just teaching me how to be a good person. Right. That's all. That's all it is when it comes to like the wrestling stuff. You know, um, as long as you're a good person and you're polite and you do things the right way, you know, cross the T's, dot the I's you know, everything will be okay and yeah. eventually, you know, you know, so I feel like, you know, the manners stuff and like how to, how to hold myself um, in front of like, you know, people that, you know, deserve more respect and stuff like that. They taught me that versus just being the, the green kid. That's a, the athlete that thinks like, Oh, I can do this. I can do that. <laughs> Sometimes it's better to, to close this and open this bingo man it's crazy i mean and, and and i can see that just talking to you that you know you're a very good active listener and obviously like you know you don't you you, you try not to talk over someone you try not to know just assume you know and, and i think that's great kind of um with that you know i mean i think with the respect factor 
a lot of that is what kills a lot of young uh, wrestlers' careers. You know what I mean? Because to your point, either they're green and they think they know it all or they don't. And kind of like back to the even, even the WWE, right? Triple H was saying that. You know, a lot of you guys are here and you think you have the answers. You have it all figured out. You don't. You know what I mean? And kind of, I think, I think humility is a big, a big part of the process, right? I also think, I also think with, um, I also think kind of when you're first trying to break into it, discipline discipline and becoming and developing that thick skin because there's going to be a series of highs and there's definitely going to be a series of lows you know throughout you know it's never linear you know so i mean you know obviously i mean you can offer your your, your two cents on that but that's just my observation of the industry yeah i mean everyone has their own different perspective and their own uh views because of what they've gone through right through the industry and stuff like that so for me, I'm just speaking on the things of, that I that I went through, my experiences. That's, that's, that's all, that's I, care all I can speak on, you know, yeah. for me, that's I'm, all I not, care about. To, I'm yeah. not one to gossip. I'm not one to say this or that. I'm just, I'm taught like this. And naturally, I was raised like that. So the transition for me was pretty easy. <laughs> you know, being a nice guy and, you know, yes, sir, you know, and, you know, clean up after yourself. You know, just things that you should already be able to do. You know? <laughs> exactly. You know, um, but I think another thing that they taught me, which is like still dear to my heart right now, is the fact that just just work hard and you know don't stop. Right. They they keep reminding me that there's there's people that have been trained a lot longer than I have and they still haven't made it yet. So to stay patient, yeah. stay patient, stay patient, stay patient, and try, it's it's been hard, honestly, man. I mean, you've already heard I've been going from San Diego to LA 15 hours a week for a good part of a year. Then going to move into the Bay Area, you know, driving five hours, crashing the night, then driving five hours the next day, you know, um, it's been it's been a rough grind for the last couple of years. Um, but with that being said, even though I'm going through this grind, I'm in no hurry because I know if I'm only allowed one shot, I'm going to make that damn shot count. And that's my biggest thing. So even though luckily, man, my wife, you know, Amanda, she's she means she's my rock. She's been there through the entire process. She supported me through the entire process. She's the reason why I'm starting wrestling because she started the question. She, she, you know, she started the little, the little snowflake down the hill that, that rolled into that big ball, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, without her, you know, her watching my son, her being willing to relocate, you know, so I can chase this dream. You know, I feel like I feel all that and I don't want to waste it. You know, and I, the one thing I know what I do have control over is effort. So I'm yeah. just keep doing that. I won't, I won't worry about when, where, what if this or that, I'm just going to show up to the gym, work out, show up to the ring, work out, you know, do whatever I have to do and just listen. 100% man, you know, and I think, you know, I mean, there's, and to your point about making it, there's different ways of making it. You know what I mean? WWE to our listeners who aren't familiar with wrestling, it's one promotion, bro. You got so many, like I said, major league promotions out there that, you know, that, and even Knox Pro, you know, is on the come up too. So, yeah. um, like, like, you know, so, and, and with alumni like Rusev, that must be also pretty beneficial, like you mentioned earlier, right? Yeah, I mean, Rusev is one of the alumni, you know. Right. It's crazy how, it's crazy how many people came through, through right. Knox, you know, like Jesus Rodriguez, the, the manager for um, uh, Alberto Del Rio. Yeah. He was also a Knox Pro guy. Yeah. Uh, Vanessa Bourne. Mm. You know, she she's from Knox Pro, you know, so 
This the, I'm just trying to be the next one on the list. Yes, sir. <laughs> and, we're, you know? and, and I'm, and and the more and the kind of like to your point, you know, obviously, just but you're patient, but you kind of you're you're doing what you're being told. And at the end of the day, yeah. I feel like there's no there's no there's no cleaner recipe for success than just following what's you know you're being taught. I looked at it like this: uh, Miro listened and did exactly, and he had a good career in WWE, which yeah. led him to have a nice contract leading to a nice career that's going to happen in AEW. Yeah. So. If it ain't fixed, don't break, don't break it, you know? Yeah. Or if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Bro, I'm dyslexic sometimes, man. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> Too many hits to the head, bro. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, cool kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Football wrestling, man. Beat you up a little bit. <laughs> Sheesh. Sheesh, bro. It's funny you said that. I had to get an MRI done because I got headaches every day now, dude. I don't even know. Uh, you know, I don't know. Special teams, bro. Yeah, sorry, yeah. No, nah, yeah, special teams. Hell no. Nah. I'm good. I run now. <laughs> My big guys run that fast. Yeah, yeah no, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was slot. I, yeah, exactly, bro. Like, for me, it's like I would be the one either blocking or setting or, or gunning. I'd be gunner or I'd be jamming to set up the return. And so, yeah. obviously, you get knocked on your ass a whole hell lot because I got to go up against guys your size. I'm like 185. I'm like, no, <laughs> I mean, sometimes, sometimes your guys mostly, mostly not, mostly speed guys, right? But I mean, yeah. you know, it, it's just like you it's just you gotta be ready to contact and be able to deliver some hits. So exactly, yeah. So, but I don't know, whatever. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. I, I oh just, yeah, not at all. Yeah. So talk to me now. Okay, cool. So we kind of got your career aspirations. Kind of okay. Let's talk about like, what do you do? Like, you're still training and you're still bodybuilding, right? So I mean, the style of training I do. Um, that's the thing too, man. I I love lifting. Yeah, that's it was so hard for me to break away from it. And in the sense of like heavy lifting, I love right. it, man, to just kind of just get in the zone and just let my mind go and just like press this weight as hard as I can. And just that was my um, in the sense of like iron therapy. Right. You know, that's how I can release all my stress. It's just in that weight room. Right. You know, um, I was I was pretty known on social media for being the crying guy. Um so the reason why I would cry during lifts, man, is because I put myself in such a state of pain mentally. And I just remember all these times I was just going through, man. And I just remember feeling hopeless. Right. I physically could do, couldn't do anything. And I would yeah. trick my mind to be like, all right, man, if you lift this way, all those bad things go away. Yeah. You know, so tears down my face, giving everything I got, thinking that everything's going to be okay. And then after completing the lift, knowing that nothing's changed, you know, <laughs> yeah. those things, I mean, those are like, it's literally like the mental breakdowns I'm like, I'm going through as I'm, you know, training, you know, and for me, another thing when you're talking about like coping through my depression, lifting was huge, you know, it was a place for me to be myself, you know, and it's funny because, and that's another reason why my wife thinks I would be great for wrestling. She always thought I was a character. Yeah, you know, I'm a big rah rah guy, and it's funny though because like I'll be crying in my videos, and it's just naturally, right? It's not for show. I just do it just because it's just me being that much pain, being hurt, and just like letting it all out of my face, you know? Because I really would do anything to hit that weight or just do whatever I can, you know. I really put my maximal effort to everything, you know. So for me, it was like exhilarating, refreshing all that stuff, you know, uh, it's funny. It got harder once I met my wife, I was, I was happier. Yeah. It's harder to get, it's harder to get mad or upset, right. <laughs> but you know, now with my son, man, I got a new sense of motivation. So 
It's awesome, man. Yeah, and it's cool when you have your family as, as your rock of motivation because then you're not necessarily putting yourself through pain, but you're just thinking about them as kind of, okay, this is why I'm going to keep going and go 150 to 210% faster or stronger or harder, you know what I mean, pushing versus just, you know what I mean, just going and kind of moseying along, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> But you know we do we do get caught sometimes. I'm not gonna lie, it's, it's easy to get lazy, you know. Oh, it's easy, man. It's life, you know. Life. It's what happens after, you know. Can you make the adjustment? Exactly. You know, there's always ups and downs, but when you're going through a down, you ready to make that bounce back up? Man. You know, See, it's always gonna happen. Lives are always ups and downs. It's always ups and downs. You're not always gonna be on a. You're never always gonna be on a high. You gotta be prepared for the peaks and the valleys. You know, you gotta be prepared for that. And I feel like my whole life has been nothing but peaks and valleys, man. Yeah. I've had plenty of highs, but I have just as many lows. And I, I feel like I'm ready for one of the damn highs any any minute now. So. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to make it out of the mud, man. But, you know, leave it in God's hands. Yeah. You know, we'll just, you know, just, you know, just keep trusting the process, like you said, man. One step at a time, and you know, it'll happen. Like, you know, soon, you know, soon this podcast will have over 35 million downloads and, you know, I'll be like, you know, just breaking the dough. There it is. <laughs> doing Joe Rogan. No, there it is. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh. So yeah, who's your who's your favorite? I mean, obviously we're both football players. You know, who's your who's your favorite NFL team? Raiders, baby. Raiders. Hey, bro, I got yeah. Lincoln Kennedy still popping up on on uh, on Wednesday, so you might want to tune to that one. No, nah, I already I already saw that. I was yeah. gonna say. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, that's pretty tight. Yeah. He was actually the side note. He was actually one of my favorite uh, players. And my freshman year, my number was 72 because of him. Oh. So it, 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 yeah. I, I love Lincoln Kennedy, man. He's dope. Bro, he's and so I, chill. Being a Raider fan, man, it was super cool to see someone like him just ball out and be on the Raiders, you know. I mean, he left an impression on me. I, I took his number for my yeah. first my first year playing football. It was 72 because of him. Yes, so. sir. Man, I, I, I don't even know what to think just with that interview because bro like he's so kind of personable he's yes. so like humble the first he's like here's my number i'm like wait, what? did you just give me your number i'm like okay yeah. and then like, here's my email i'm like okay <laughs> all right you know it's like and then they, they, he's like oh lol I, I forgot zoom like okay just shoot me an email like, i got you but it's like i have it i have his number now <laughs> That's and just by coincidence yeah That's it's, it's, it's tight, you know, I think kind of with this podcast, I've obviously, uh, I've crossed a lot. I've had pro bowlers, Super Bowl champions, now pro wrestlers. You know what I mean? Now I'm going to have a combination of the two when, when he shows up on Wednesday, right? I think yeah. the biggest thing is just kind of like with me, it's just like it's been such a ride. I just love the kind of thrill I get just talking because like it yeah. kind of reminds me kind of like, you know, yeah, guess what, motherfuckers? You're out there making excuses. We got motherfuckers going out to L.A. five hours a day or five, you know, 15 hours a week. Like, you know what? Hey, what's your excuse? With a family. You know what I mean? Yeah. With, you know, with yeah. mouths feet. Like, I mean, shit. So, yeah, man. you know, just mad. The old saying, man, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Yes, sir. No, old saying. <laughs> Actually, no, let me pull the autograph so you can see that. One sec. Yeah. Turn off the camera and pull turn back on when I get them here so you can see this. Okay, what we got here? Here we go. The first one we got, your boy. Oh, there you go. Yes, sir. You like that? <laughs> that's, that's clean, bro. Clean. All right, all right, and here's this one. 
That's tight. Yeah, so he has my name, Asif Zulfikar Ali. You suck. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know he wrote that. That's hilarious. And then I interviewed him. I'll shoot you the link to that interview. I interviewed him two months ago. And uh, I told him I played professionally. I played semi-professionally, kind of like, you know, like I like we all do, right? I played in the arena, played a little bit of that. And then he's all like, which college you go to? I went to West Valley. And he's like, yeah, oh, damn, you must be pretty damn good, huh? I was like, Kurt Angle just said I'm damn good at football? Yes! <laughs> My life's complete, bro. And he told me that this version of the belt is his favorite. Because he said, like, you know, I mean, come on now, bro. This is the best I, version. I mean, that's Eddie's belt. That's Eddie's belt. Oh, what did you say? Say that one more time. I couldn't hear you. <laughs> I said that's Eddie's belt. Ah, yes, it is. It's Eddie's belt. No, Eddie's I mean, belt. Man. bro, Eddie's promo for No Way Out 2004. That is like it's still etched in my mind. You remember the yeah. promo? Tell me you remember the promo. Man, just Eddie Eddie's promo work just in general, man. Yeah. Like he can flip it on a dime. He'll he'll or face. Yeah. He, like he'll tell you what he wants you to think he is. Yeah. It's just super impressive. And then him to back it up in the ring, I feel like is the reason why he's the total package, you know. His athleticism. You'll have people that are super athletic, you know. But for him to be able to tell a story in the ring and on top of that, be able to speak on the mic, you know, to create more stories, you know, I think that's that's really was really impactful in his career to be able to do all those things. I mean, hence how he how he literally rose from the, the you know, the lower card all the way to the main event. Facts. Yeah. And it, it's funny when we talk about that because he, if you look at his WCW when he was there and he came out and cut that promo on Bischoff saying that, hey, we're tired of you using us cruiserweights and not, not using us cruiserweights for the main event when we're, when we're making you the money. Because if you understand WCW's business model, it wasn't the fact that main event was making the money. No, main event had over the hill guys. The cruiserweight, the mid card is what was making the money, right? Because people want to see the high flying Rey Mysterios, Eddie Guerrero's, Chris Jericho's, who would do Guerrero's. Whoever, right? Psychosis, uh, you know, basically, and then and then when Eddie came to realization, it's like, wait, like, why are we not like we? You should be pushed the main event. Bischoff felt that none of them were main eventers, including Jericho. That's why they all made the switch to WWF in 2000. And then you saw, like, right after, like, when he gets his first opportunity and Brock's about to leave, that promo, especially before their way out, was so critical to me because he talks about his addiction. He talks about kind of you know all the struggles he went through in his past, his demons, right? And like, it's like kind of what we talked about, it blurs the line between reality and fiction. I'm sitting there listening to this. I'm like, holy shit, like this is, this is real. This isn't, this isn't a guy just playing a character on the screen, on the mic. So like you said, he flips it on the dime. And it's like, Brock, like, you know, he's like, my new addiction, Holmes, is, you know, is when I get in this ring, brother, what a high we get. We get high, 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 right? And I, that, that resonates so much with me because like, you know, we all have we all have our ups and downs, bro. Like like you said, like we all have we all have different things we gotta deal with. But Eddie Guerrero specifically was willing to put it out there in front of everyone and just say, "This is who I was. This is who I am. Now it's time for me to reach, you know, kind of reach my pinnacle." And exactly. you know, that's what happened. So I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but I'm gonna show you my belts now. I have to brag you. All right, go. So there's that. All right, time to brag to time to brag to Bruce. Because Bruce is a wrestler, so I got to show him all the belts. This is my brother belt. <laughs> That's a Hitman belt. Yeah, World Heavyweight Champion right there. Hey, man, if you wanted some custom belts done, bro, I got a guy. Ooh, do you really? Yeah, man. West, West, uh, West Ghost? West Ghost Design? 
What goes down? Uh, okay. After we get off, bro, I'll shoot you his Instagram. Okay, bad, he, bro. Uh, he makes he makes customized belts, so you can have your own whatever you want. Oh. I only thing I said something, bro. I seen the custom Bret Hart. I was like, ooh, okay, he might like something. Yeah. Some personal, personal stuff. Damn, bro. No, for real, dude. I mean, yeah. You know, like belts, bro. Yeah, you you definitely gotta you got you gotta be my man's, bro. Oh no. Bro, no, 100%, bro. No, hey, man, you're going to hook me up, and then we're going to put this on, and you're going to... 35,000 followers, bro. How's that feel, man? I mean, doesn't it, like, ever hit you? Like, Nah, I ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't shit, man. Uh, I mean, I, this is the thing is I feel like everything in my life happens for a reason. You mm-hmm. know, uh, my following grew because I was part of a strength cartel, which is a powerlifting group. Mm-hmm. Uh, it grew because of that, you know, mm-hmm. and going to fitness expos, um, signing autographs, taking pictures and stuff like that, being blessed to have, I, I call supporters, uh, wait in line for hours just to shake your hand and take a picture with you, you know, and hearing their testimonies of how I affected them the same way how C.T. Fletcher affected me, same way C.L.C. affected me, to hear them say the same thing, man, it was like, whoa, yeah. that was the biggest part. and. I was, I'm always humble by nature. That's how I was raised. And it was easier to uh, forget that because you have all these people trying to take pictures with you, do all this stuff. But I always stay grounded because, yeah, they're doing this. They, I still don't have a contract. I'm still grinding my, you know, I'm just like the person. I, I mean, this by my heart. Anyone that's watching this, you know, and me lifting weights and like, oh man, like, you know, how'd you do this, this and that? I'm no different from anyone else. Yeah, I'm blessed to be Samoan and Puerto Rican and my size and my stature. But besides that, literally, all I do is just work hard. I'm no better than no one else. Um, my The only things that stands out for me from the average Joe is the average Joe will quit where versus I would never give up. Yes, sir. You know? So that's, that's the biggest thing, man. I feel like all that stuff happened for a reason because I feel like it's going to prepare me for my future life in a sense, like what comes with being a WWE superstar, you know, with the with the attention and the popularity and stuff like that. I feel like with having a little, obviously, man, like I'm not saying like I'm super famous or anything by any means, but having a little bit of that attention, knowing how it feels, knowing that, okay, when it comes, it's gonna be a lot more later, but at least I have a little bit of idea how to keep myself grounded, you know? You know, I remember these times, you know, even just, you know, just remembering my upbringing again, you know, that's why I'm excited when I get to do podcasts and stuff like that, because it's like going down memory lane a little bit. Yeah. And it's like a lot of people forget how far they've come. Yeah. You know, like they'll be stuck in like a certain situation. Like, man, I wish I was more successful. I wish I lost more weight, you know, prime good example, you know, but then they forget like, oh man, I used to weigh 400 pounds. Now I weigh 300. You might not be at the 200 you want to be, but you're making, you you know, you're heading the right direction. Right. So same thing with me, man. I'm like, man, I really want this contract already. Yeah. You know, but I'm like, man, I remember when I started wrestling and I'm way better now than when I was when I first started. So I was like, just try to like all those things just remembering how far I've come to now kind of like keeps me in a positive attitude. So thank you for having me. This does, you know, works for me too, you know? 100%, man. No, it was great having you, man. And uh, 
I think that's a good way to close. But is there any kind of closing? Any any thoughts? I can, actually, no. Yeah, I can't let you go. Yeah, it's this is the last. Oh, no, I'm good, man. What's yeah, up? No, 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 no. I know that. I'm just saying. Uh, what's your New Year's resolution? New Year's resolution? Yeah. Man, get that contract. Yes, sir. <laughs> that's all I want to oh, hear. And, and I just say contract because it can be WWE. It can be anywhere. Love you. Yeah. You know, New Japan, MLW, Impact, ROH. MPW. It, does, it doesn't matter to me um, because what I know is when whoever decides to give me the opportunity, I'll show them it was the best decision I ever made. Yeah. You know, and I've always been a, the type of man to, to back up the words I speak. You know, anyone who decides to sign me will see the same things that I've showed throughout my whole life. Perseveration, you know, to be able to perceive, to ah. blah, 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 blah. Hold on, persevere. <laughs> yeah. My gotcha. fault. You got a call come in. I got a call come in. Threw me off. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But just like, you know, learning how to persevere through things, you know, I feel like showing that I didn't have anything, nothing was handed to me. Right. You know, I might be this talented, gifted athlete, but at the same time, all my accolades that I got was things that I just went out and grabbed it. Right. You know, I was never the blue chipper, right. you know, I was only the support guy. And I'd be damned if I would just be the support guy. Yes, I'll be the support guy to get my foot in the door. And then once I get my foot in the door, I'll show you I'm the man. So I'm going to bring go. that same energy to the, to the wrestling business. Yes, sir, man. And I love that you said that because for me, I was also the kind of – I was I didn't get to play football in high school because of my grades. So for me, Juco was my first opportunity to playing. And you could obviously yeah. mention how, what, what kind of a rude awakening that was. <laughs> yeah. It was great. It was yeah. great because kind of to your point, it really helps you kind of humble yourself. You're like – Oh yeah, I'm gonna play JUCO. I'm gonna go fucking become this big ass player, this and that, blah blah blah. And I became humble very quickly. Yeah. Um, but you know, like you said, getting your foot in the door leads to other things. So at the end yeah, of the day, exactly. as long as you're able to stay committed, stay grounded, and keep working, you'll get there. So I mean, I think that's a great New Year's resolution. I think it's a great message too. Yeah, I mean, you know, whatever you can take, take it. And then once you get there, you're gonna fucking prove it. Like, hey man, y'all invested in me. Now I'm gonna make you some money. <laughs> exactly, man. Exactly. Yes, sir. Exactly. Toa, Tio Leona. Am I saying it right? Tio Leona? Is that wrong? Toa. Totally. Toa Leona, man. Fuck. Warrior Lion. Warrior Lion, man. Hey, Toa Leona, Warrior Lion, y'all. Be on the lookout for Toa Leona 2021 when COVID gets back to normal. When things get back to normal with the vaccine and we're going to have fans in there, they're going to be able to see this man work, you know, kind of like with the clip I showed you guys. So, hey, man, it's going to be dope, man. So, I mean, I'm really excited, man. I mean, it was great, you know, great, great having you on, bro. And um, great kind of, you know, getting to know you better. You know, I feel like, you know, just after one conversation, I've known you forever. But, you know, it was great to also, like you said, take, take a stroll down memory lane for both of us, too. Because, you know, West Valley, De Anza, knowing your beginnings. kind I of know, really, man. That's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy, man. That's why we did play against each other, too. That's hilarious. Yeah, we dude. We played against each other, you know what I mean? And, like, here we are now, you know, kind of now finally connected 11 years later, so. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Crazy how the world works. He's crazy, bro, 100%, you know. And one of my other boys, Manu, he's actually half Simone, too. He's half, he's half, he's half Maori. And then, like, you know, okay. like, yeah, but he was a beast, a beast. He went to San Jose State and everything, so, you know, I mean, he's one of those right. guys where it's like, you know, you could just, he ran a 4-3-40, and he just, like, walked on the SJSU, and he did the whole nine, and yeah. he got invited to point out his rookie mini camp. And I mean, I was like, dude, you're you're still the man in my opinion. And it don't matter. It don't matter. You know, what I mean, I think I think we are so caught up with the perception that you have to make in the NFL and you have to actually make it far in the NFL to kind of be successful. Nah, man. 
you don't got to be. I, mean, I already spoke on it earlier. Not all the best players on the NFL. Things happen out yeah. of their control. You know, they might be able to be uh, good enough to play, but just because you're good enough to play doesn't mean you get to. Bingo. You know? So uh, for me, that's when I when I was able to just like understand that. That's why I was able to just like let it go and be able to move into my next stage of my career, which is pro wrestling. Yes, sir. And now pro wrestling looks like it's a, there's a lot of upside in that in, in, in this new chapter for yours, you know. So I'm yeah. look I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. And like you said, it's man, good, man, this is all we need to remind ourselves. I know you got yours. You know, yours being modest. Bruce being modest, uh, folks. Uh, yeah, out. I mean, I, I got I got my CCS championship ring in the yes, back. Yes, sir, my, you do. You know, my natty championship from Frisco. Got. You know, the Mountain West, even though I was just a practice guy. But I tell you right, I'll tell you right now, them offensive players was ready to play. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know what I mean? It so, don't matter. As, as as long as you contributed and knew your role, you know, like, you know, you, you're part of a team. Same thing wrestling, man. Even though you're an individual competitor, you're part of a team. Once you get that contract, you're going to know your role. You're going to do what's best for business. And you're going to be able to just run with it. And it's going to be easy money, in my opinion, because I can tell right now you had the mindset to where you're not going to question anything or try to do too much, you know? So I'm, I'm going to do whatever they need me to do. Exactly. <laughs> and that's going to be making money. There it is. Yes, sir. We're going to close it out with the Bret Hart belt. Once again, Bruce, man, great, great meeting you. Looking forward to watching you 2021, continue doing big things, actually make that next leap to get, become a contract with a major promotion. You can find him, follow Mato Leona on Instagram, Bruce Orlando Le, Le, Leo Pepe on uh, on Facebook. And uh, any any other socials, any other links? And I know you have merchandise, so why don't you drop that for the for our listeners? Oh, yeah. So you can go check over at, on my Instagram, Toa underscore Leona. Uh, link in the bio over at brainbusters.com. Uh, uh, you can get my merch over there. Um, you can also DM me, DM me personally if you are interested in some training. I still do online coaching. Uh, I do personal training in the Bay Area. So if you're looking to get in shape, I can help you as well. I'm still doing all this stuff while I'm making my grind to the to WWE or AEW because I generally still love helping people. So anyone that's watching this and they feel like they need help in the fitness side of things, man, drop a DM, reach out. I'll definitely help you. You know, no matter what the issue is, I'll make sure to help you achieve your goals. And uh, I got Twitter, uh, Lionheart Oos. You can follow that, you mean? Um, besides that, man, I just want to give a shout out to Counterbolics, uh, my CBD sponsor, and uh, Tough Raps, who gave me all the gears and stuff that gave me to bench 600 pounds and stuff. So shout out to them. And obviously, I want to give a final shout out to Knox Pro. You mean the school that has helped me lead me to my future goals and my future dreams, man. So big shout out to Rikishi and Reno, man. Thank you guys. 100%, man. So yeah, you all heard it, man. Bruce, aka Toa Leona, going to do big things 2021. Bruce, brother, looking forward to talking to you again, seeing you do big things next time you're on this podcast, bro. Mm. We'll see you. See you. <laughs> yes, sir. All right, brother. Take care. See you, brother. <laughs>